So, um, man, we're going through Luke, right? We're, we're chugging along through the book of Luke. If you are new to join us, man, we're really glad you're here. We chose to do this at the beginning of the year um, because we believe in the power of the Word of God. Uh, because we said, man, I'm not saying we won't do this one day, but we, we said, man, let's not kick off this year with kind of doing topical stuff, which all the books on like how to grow a ministry, we're like, man, pick really cool topics, like talk about you know, stuff that's really relevant. Um, and we really believe that the word of God is powerful and incredibly relevant. So what we decided was, man, let's just work through the gospel. Man, let's just take Luke. Um, it's the third gospel in the New Testament. And man, let's just see who Jesus is and what his mission is. And so that's what we've been about. And that's where we are. And we're in Luke 10. And, uh, and I'm excited to get to preach it. Um, so if you got your Bibles, flip there. Uh, we're going um, to be starting in, in verse 25. Uh, in chapter 10 uh, of Luke. And I want to tell you a story as, as you're kind of flipping there. Um, so I don't know how to say this story. I want to I say it in a way that really honors the woman I love because um, she is worthy of honor. Um, so one of my top favorite days of all time um, was the day that I got to lay my first smackdown on my wife with a kiss. I mean, not a smackdown like a beatdown, like a smackdown like a kiss. <laughs> yeah. No, um, this is all recorded. So, um, yeah, so the, the first time I got to kiss my, my, um, my girl, right? Danielle is my wife, and uh, it was a spectacular day, right? Beautiful day, sun was shining, birds are flying in the air, there were flowers blue. I actually have no clue what the weather was like, um, but it was a good day, and, and went on a date, and I'd been dating this girl for months, um, and man, she is an incredible girl, and um, just awesome, awesome stuff. And so um, I knew, man, this girl, this is the girl I want to spend the rest of my life with. And we've been dating for um, a, a while. And so I say, man, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kiss her, man. Tonight, I'm going to go for it, man. I'm just going to go for it. And so uh, we are at uh, her dorm room uh, at Texas A&M University. Um, you, you people, we've talked about this. We've, we've talked about this. You guys are a cult. Um, <laughs> So we are at said university, and uh, and so yeah, I go in right, and the mood is right. I think there was like some music playing in the background, like real softly, and I slowly move in, like head tilted perfectly, and brush the hair out of her face, go in for the kiss. It's beautiful, guys. And then it happened. She burped in my mouth. <laughs> no joke. First kiss. My wife, incredible woman. Let me, let me tell you, hang on, let me tell you before you walk out and just have, that's the only image you have. Uh, my wife is unbelievable, man. She's a babe. She's a total babe, right? Uh, she loves Jesus incredibly. This girl loves Jesus. The Lord loves her in an incredible way. The Holy Spirit's all over her life. Man, she is just spectacular. She loves me really well. But yeah, man, first time we kissed, she burped in my mouth. And it, and it, it tasted like commitment, is what it tasted like. I was like, mmm. Like, that's love. That's love. <laughs> I felt like that was really the Lord sealing it. Um, see, it's like, this is the girl, for, right? This is it. She's never burped in my mouth since. Um, she, that is definitely not her character or personality in any way. I felt like it was a Holy Spirit moment that was like, I'm going to let her do this. And, and um, yeah. Um, okay, so, so here's why I tell a story. What if? Right? What if I? What if that happens? Right? Um, and then I decide. I say, Hey, you know what? Um, you're incredible. 
you're funny and you love the Lord and you're awesome and I love who you are, but let's just not like be around each other in person, right? And what if we had a relationship? I was thinking about this when I, we're walking through this text and I was thinking about what would it look like to have a relationship with somebody where it's like, hey, we're not going to have any physical contact, right? Remember that one time and now I'm kind of scarred from it and so we're just going to have no physical contact, but we're going to get married you know, we're going to get married, we're going to share a bank account, we're going to know all about each other, we're going to Skype daily, you know, but we're not really going to like, we're going to like live in different homes and all that kind of stuff, right? That would be an incredibly dysfunctional relationship, right? That would be just absurdly dysfunctional. I tell a silly story about my incredible wife um, to say, man, what would it look like if my response to that was dysfunctional and I miss out on the woman who I love more than any other person in this world. Um, no offense, Tyler. Um, but I love her more than any other person in this world. And, uh, and she's an unbelievable woman. She loves the Lord. She loves me. She loves the Lord. Did I say that? She's a babe. She loves the Lord. And, and for that to say, oh, okay, we're going to have this dysfunction now and there's going to be this aspect of our relationship that we're just going to cut out uh, would be this really um, poorly rounded love. And that's where we're going. Um, Tonight's sermon is about what it looks like to have well-rounded love in all of those areas, specifically, obviously, with the Lord. And that's what we're going to see is what well-rounded. We say the phrase all the time, man, I love God, or, or this idea of us being people who love God. What does that mean? What does that look like? I think we throw out the term love, and our culture has hijacked that word. And our culture has turned that word into some weird either emotional thing or some weird um, tolerance of other people. What does well-rounded love of our God look like? And are there ways in our life, see this connection, where we have become dysfunctional in saying, okay, because of that thing, I'm, just, I'm not going to be in physical contact or I'm not going to learn about the Lord because that's not really, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in community with the Lord or I'm not... There's all these aspects that I want us to look at four specific corners that round out a healthy walk with God. And that's where we're going, man. So Luke 10, verse 25, uh, we're going to see Jesus uh, lay the smack down on a lawyer. Verse 25 says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, right there off the bat, you know there's trouble coming because he's putting Jesus to the test. And he says... Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Okay, let's stop there, just after three verses. Um, and, and I want to I park us for a second on these three verses, and I want us to spend some time and not move too quickly, um, because what he says here, and, and how Jesus confirms this lawyer's response, is huge. And I think we blow past, and I think we miss it. I, I know I do, and I know as studying this, I realize there's a lot of ways where my love is actually very dysfunctional for the Lord. And I want that to grow. I want God to renovate that um, out of me, and change that, and build that up in me. So Jesus answers this question, and he confirms, love God with, uh, to love God and to love your neighbor, right? He's confirming the scriptures, and, and this lawyer would know the scripture. He would know Deuteronomy 6, 5, and that's what this is a reference to. He would have studied it as a boy. He would have, it would have been a part of his culture that he would know, love the Lord your God, right? And he would know these attributes to love. And Jesus is saying, yeah, 
I think 99% of this room, if we just camp out on what it looks like to love God, I think we would say, yep, that's great. Wave a magic wand, then Holy Spirit, do something to make me love God more tonight. Man, that'd be great. 1% of the room, just here for the food. And that's great too. We are glad you're here. Um, keep coming, man. You're in the right place. Keep coming. Uh, we got no problem with that. I want to be a person who grows in how I love God and how I love his word and I want my love for him just like I want my love for my wife to continue to mature and I want to continue to grow in other ways. My, my love for my son and my love for my friends and my love for the community and my love for uh, this ministry. What does that look like? Um, Jesus is making a statement here. He's confirming for us to love God with the entirety of our being, our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind, all of us. Right? It's this phrase that just means man, everything you've got, love God with. Our whole self, love God with everything. But then he chooses these four very strategic words, and they're very strategic words. These are the four strategic words he uses to kind of, like I talked about, um, round out that co- those corners of what well-rounded love looks like. Love the Lord with your heart, love the Lord with your soul, love the Lord with your strength, and love the Lord with your mind. So let's stop down and let's look at those four things. Let's look at what that looks like. The first one is heart. Loving the Lord with our heart, um, that word, uh, when the original author was writing this, he wasn't writing in English, he didn't use the word heart, um, he was writing in Greek. And the word that he's talking about really is encapsulating the idea of emotion. So we're called to love the Lord our God with our, our heart, our emotion, right, our emotional being. And I think if there was any of these four characteristics that I would say we as a, uh, at least we as a generation, emphasize a lot and maybe lump most of what we define love as, it's in this one. I think so often in my life, and I take a bet for a lot of you guys, when you feel like, man, if somebody asks you, man, how, do you, how, are you, how are you loving the Lord? What's your, what's your love life look? Which is a really weird way to say it. But you know, what does that look like with the Lord? I think our default is to go to emotion. Have you ever thought, said the question, I don't, feel, I don't feel close to God right now. I, I feel distant. I feel like the Lord is kind of far away from me, or I feel, and, and we are such a feelings-based culture, and we're so driven by our emotion that we put so much stock in this is it. So I, I say that it doesn't mean it's bad, because this is one of the four. This is one of the areas that we have to love the Lord our God with our emotions, with our affections. I just want us to give us a caveat. I think we overemphasize this. I think as we start unpacking the next three words, we're going to realize, dang, I, certainly for me, I don't, I don't think I focus on these. So much of it is about, man, the music was awesome, and I felt the Lord, and man, that guy talked with a lot of passion, and that guy was, you know, and this song really, and, and we are driven by emotion. Having said that, it is a command for us to have affection for the Lord. If God has wired you to, to be incredibly intellectual, or, or God has wired you to really just be a doer, right, and maybe worship music isn't your thing, it's still a command to have a well-rounded love that is emotional. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My point of sharing that is if I'm going to ask myself the question, okay, Ben, so I've got to stir my affections for the Lord. I, I'm called, Scripture is confirmed, I want to stir my affections. How do I do that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart and affections will follow behind what you treasure in your life. So do I treasure myself? Do I treasure my own status? Do we treasure money? Do we treasure success where that becomes what we really are are treasuring? Because where our treasure is, 
That's where our affections are going to start following. So the challenge before, everybody here tonight, the challenge that Luke puts in front of us to love the Lord with our heart, man, is that we would treasure the Lord more and more and more and more. That I would become a man, that you would become a a sister, a daughter of the king, a a brother, a, a brother of mine, a son of the king that would treasure the Lord more and more. Man, Philippians 3.8, Paul says this. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss, everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, those things, rubbish that I may gain Christ. All the other treasures I could think of compared to Jesus Paul is saying, all that stuff I consider rubbish, I consider trash, I consider them lost compared to Jesus. The Apostle Paul is obviously this man whose affections and treasure are so rooted in who Jesus is that he says, man, all else is lost. So um, what stirs your affection? Man, what real practically for you stirs your affection for the Lord? Man, for me, I've got this room in my house, it's like a finished out attic, and it's very much a man cave and it's gross up there and it's but man for me there's like cardboard boxes full of books everywhere and man a glass of wine and my bible and will reagan playing on my on my iphone stirs my affections for my god and i can get up there and i can spend time with the lord and i can journal and i can talk to him and i can sit on this old recliner in my attic essentially and talk to the lord man what stirs your affections what stirs my affections way more is that i'm a nighttime guy I know Josh Story in here. He's a morning guy, man. He, he needs the morning. Like He thrives in the morning. He wants to get in the word then. For me, man, in the morning, like I don't kick on until like 10.30 a.m. Um, so for me, it's nighttime and it gets dark and everyone else is asleep and there's nothing else I can do to busy myself. Man, that's, that's the time where um, I find myself being able to be still. What stirs your affections for the Lord? Second word, soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That word soul is consciousness. It's this word, this idea of consciousness, right? It has to do with our devotion for the Lord. So uh, kind of a biblical definition, synonyms would be our personality, our inner being. It has to do with that inward devotion. And um, here's the thing. Um, my person, my, my soul is the sum of the choices I make. The sum of the choices I have made in my life. Um, the sum of the choices I have made in my day, in my week. The sum of those choices is my inward being. It is my devotion. It's what I've devoted my energy and, and mental energy and capacity. It's the choices I'm making. To treasure him, right, is, is my heart. But to act for him is my devotion to my God. It's loving him with my soul. It's being obedient. So to love God is my affections. And to love God with my soul, the heart is my affection, but the soul is obedience. Am I obedient? And tonight, ask yourself, am I obedient? Am I loving God in a way that's, okay, fine, worship music's on and I'm pumped and I'm, I feel close to him then, but look at your life. Are you devoted to this God that we cliche say, I love God, I want to love God more? Are we obedient? I might have a great, great worship service some night. I might come in here and have this awesome experience or go somewhere or have just this great worship time and man i i can't i can't count how many times i have been left just sweet worship experiences walked out gone home and chosen what is not from him 
Man, in my life, in the, sea, in the seasons when I struggled um, with lust and with pornography, man, that was always waiting and knocking on my door. And, and still is this threat to constantly, I still have to be aware, I still have to have these huge guards up because I can't trust myself with that. Because it's a part of my story and it's a part of my weakness and it's part of my, I'm prone to that. So that brokenness still hides and, and waits. Man, there's so many times where man, I'm so close, I feel close to him. And then all of a sudden we go and we find ourselves a, a week later, a day later, and we're, we're going back to those things. We felt so emotionally close. We're not loving God with our soul. We've neutered our love and we've made love about emotion and not our, not our devotion to God, not with our obedience. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Are we obedient? Third word, strength. So we've got love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. Man, this word is, um, is drive, right? It's the idea behind um, pressing on, pressing forward. If uh, loving the Lord with our heart is affections, you track with me, if, if loving the Lord with our soul is, uh, is our consciousness and the choices and choosing what honors God, then loving God with our strength is then the actions behind those choices. The actions behind those choices are, um, are, are the drive. Listen to this. First uh, John 3.18 um, says this. It says, Dear children, John says, Dear children, let us not love with our words or our tongue, but with our actions and in truth. Um, I think uh, if, I can, if I'm allowed to be vulnerable, I think as a pastor, just who I am, but it's embarrassing because I'm a pastor. I think, I mean, I think all these areas I need growth in, but man, this is a big one for me. Um, this is, I, this is a, a really big one for me. I think I have become good at talking the talk. I think I've become good at, um, I think the Lord has my emotions at, at times. I'm a crier. Um, you know, Josh gets up there and he starts playing. He spins the guitar like he does every once in a while. And I just start crying. Um, I, uh, I, I, I feel like I fight for more and more devotion in my life and, and choosing him. But man, then when I put actions to it, I look at my life, and I was actually talking to Danielle in the car about this last night, um, this cycle, man, this cycle of here we go again. It's this time in the semester again. And, and at the beginning of this season of ministry, I was like, man, I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and I've got all these. And then all of a sudden it's here, and you got a plan until you get punched in the face, and you throw the plan out the window. And it's like, man, I'm not, I'm not walking out those things. I'm not putting the action behind the convictions that the Lord is giving me. He's, he's convicting me. I'm spending time. I'm devoted. And yet then there's lack of action in my life. I mean, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you to love the Lord your God with your strength? Is there actually action? If I said that I love my son, but never actually showed up and spent time with him, if I said I loved my wife, but there wasn't any action behind that, you would all say, you don't really love your wife. You talk a big game, you talk about her, you have these little moments of dates, but then you don't even, you don't even serve her in any way. You, you're not really loving her fully. I find that so convicting. I love that the Lord has not just said, hey, love me and love neighbors. He says, no, love me well-rounded. Are we a people with action behind our love? And do we love lost people? Do we love the broken? Do we go out of our way to serve people? That's, um, 
I think that's a really hard one for me. I think that's a hard one for our culture. I think we live in a, in a culture where we can just show up and kind of punch our cards to worship services or listen to podcasts, but um, is there real action behind our love? And I think it's, uh, I, think it's I know it's lacking in my life. And um, I challenge us as a people and as a community, um, how can we grow in that? Last one, and, and then we're going to move on. Um, mind. Love the Lord your God with your mind. This is um, a word that means intelligence. Uh, do we seek knowledge and reason? Do we ask hard questions? I mean, so much of uh, these other characteristics, right? We can kind of fit in the spiritual box of loving with our affection and our soul and are we doing things. But um, loving the Lord with our mind is such, such an important aspect that, that God has said. And I think sometimes we can become a culture. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say this, um, but I've heard people say, and we don't need theology. Like, I just, I just, I want to love the Lord, but I don't want to study theology or study those books. Like, man, just give me my devotion and my Bible, and, and I don't really want to study what hundreds and hundreds of years and conversations of believers who have been in the Word of God and discussed it and grown and sharpened each other and thought and debated and men much older than me who have built on hundreds of years of church history and debate and philosophy. I don't really care what they have to say. I'm just going to start from you know, here and the Holy Spirit is going to enlighten me. And he, he will enlighten us, but I think it's foolishness. Theology, the word theology, I think can be an intimidating word to some of us. And we think theology is like varsity Christian stuff, right? Theology means knowing God, right? It means the knowledge of God. So again, if we say, well, that's you know, for somebody else. No, God says that's a fundamental corner of being of being a fully functioning follower and lover of him is this, is this corner, is this edge of loving him with our mind. Um, man, some of you guys have heard me share this story before. Um, it just blew my mind. Um, but in the, uh, in the second great awakening in America, man, there was revival happening everywhere, man. And it was just popping up and, um, and it was just happening all, all over the world and specific, all over the country, excuse me. And specifically, there was this area in New York in western and central New York, and it was called the Burnover District. And it got the name Burnover District because pastors would come in there and they'd throw these revivals, right? Which, um, which most scholars now look at and historians look at, and they were highly emotional things. If you've ever seen like televangelists or you've ever seen a revival, maybe been to a revival, maybe God's really used a revival in your life. You know, you got loud music and you got a guy yelling at you and telling you about hell and telling you how you got to walk forward and telling you like you need to have this affection for the Lord. And, and God used revivals in our country in, in amazing ways. And God showed up in this. But there's this area in New York that was called the Burnover District because it was like every young pastor wanted to hit up that area and he, he just wanted to go to town and he wanted to preach revivals and it just got oversaturated, burned over with evangelists coming and coming and telling everyone, man, you gotta walk forward, you gotta walk forward, you gotta walk forward, you gotta walk forward. And there was a lot of emotion and there was very little theology that was being taught it was just, man, have this emotional experience with the Lord, have this emotional moment with God, walk forward, and then you're good. And now we move on and tell somebody else to have emotional experience, love the Lord with just your heart, and there was no theology, there was no teaching, there was no Bible study and in-depth digging. And what happened in that area was uh, the Mormon church was born, the Jehovah's Witnesses um, and the Seventh-day Adventists all came. Three of the largest cults in America came out of this area, and because of some bad theology that came from there, of people who were all excited, they're like, all right, cool, man, this is great, I love what's happened, this is really emotional, and there was no depth of knowledge 
And so three out of the four largest cults in America that are connected to Christianity that would say, oh yeah, yeah, we're Christian, and their theology is whack, came out of this season and this period where it was all heart and no mind, thinking critically, let's dig in, let's know the word, let's challenge ourselves. We've got to be believers who love God by asking hard questions. We've got to be people who love the Lord by taking our, our critical thoughts and bringing them before the Lord, bringing them before a church community and saying, hey, I got questions. There's things I have a hard time with. Man, there's things in here I don't understand. There's things out there that I don't understand how to connect them with what's in this book. We've got to dig and wonder We've got to not be afraid of our doubts. And I think there's a lot of people in our world right now that look at, believe, look at Christians and they'd say, yeah, man, that's an emotional faith, but man, they've got no real reason or logic or it's just, it's an emotional crutch is what it is. And I think it's partly because there's a lot of Christians representing Christ and, and they truly love the Lord, but there's this aspect that they're really immature in. And so they're representing from, I think, a very genuine place of their affection for the Lord. They're devoted. They're committed. Maybe they're even serving people. But if somebody has a hard question and they bring it up to them about evolution or, or bisexuality or anything that might be a stumbling block or was the world really created in seven days? Do we really believe that? Do we have to believe that? And, gee, and we get afraid of these questions. I mean, they're good, good answers to those questions. We... We have to have a step of faith, but there are great answers to those questions. Are you loving the Lord with your mind? And are you challenging your mind? Are you, are you digging? Are you, are you filling your life with books? Are you putting conversations in your life? Or have you kind of bought into, well, Christianity is just going to be kind of how I feel and how I feel good about myself and emotional. The Lord says, confirms in his word several times, and love the Lord your God with your mind with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, and with your mind. Um, I love that. Your whole self. Be well-rounded lovers of God. Let's not be people whose love is one-sided or lack real depth. So um, I want to ask some application questions, and I want to land this plane on what it looks like to love our neighbor. And so um, application, man, for you, I've asked this. What does it look like? To, how do you need to love the Lord with your heart more? I mean, where are you weak? Which one of those? All of them, hopefully. Hopefully you are self-aware enough to say, man, I can grow in all those areas. But what does it look like maybe for you to stir your affections? Man, maybe it's worship music. Maybe you need to, instead of listening to you know, some song on the radio, you need to play a song that really stirs your affection for the Lord on your way to work. Maybe, maybe that's it. What about your soul? Um, my wife, who's an incredibly good kisser, by the way, um, my wife, uh, she just fasted from social media. Uh, for a season in her life. And she just gave it up and um, she said, man, I, I want to devote myself uh, to something else and I'm proud of her and I didn't have the self-discipline to do that. And I was like, man, gosh, she's godly. And, uh, and, so, and so she did this and it was really cool. Her testimony of man, what it looked like in giving that up, the choices she made throughout the day rather than just pulling out our phones, which I'm such a slave to, and checking social media. Checking Instagram, checking ESPN, checking websites. Check. Our, we're devoted to social media. We're devoted to whatever's on the piece of technology in our hand. What does it look like to love with your soul more? What does it look like to love with your strength more? Are you being obedient? Are you being obedient in all the areas? Maybe not. Maybe you need to increase that. Maybe you need more accountability. 
because you say the right things, you have the right heart, you got the right intentions and devotions, but when it comes down to putting your money where your mouth is, man, you keep stumbling and you keep falling into these things. Maybe you, if you really love the Lord, man, would you up your accountability and say, hey, will you keep me accountable every day to be obedient? Find somebody you love, find somebody who's going to speak truth and grace into your life and say, I want to love better. I'm tired of this. I care enough about it. I have, a, I have an immature, not well-rounded love. I need accountability. I need boundaries. I need discipline. Will you help me? That's why we're not called to do this thing on our own. We're called to do it in community. And mind, man, challenge you guys to learn. Hang out with Tyler Durham for 30 minutes, right? Like, just be in a place where, where you have people feeding your mind. Um, Tyler puts on this thing once a month called the round table. It's the first Sunday of each month in the evening. Man, you are all invited to it. And it is literally a couple of hours of a whole bunch of believers in a room debating, talking about ideas, looking at what the world would say. Do we have good answers for that? And it's a bunch of Christians engaging our mind and engaging our culture with how to love the Lord our God with more of our mind. Um, And if this is a big thing for you, and if you're kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I do that well, I would recommend a book by J.P. Moreland called Love the Lord Your God with Your Mind. Um, It changed my life. Uh, It it really did. I, I read it, and I was one of those guys that was in the camp that's like, man, that's dude, I just want to be like passionate for God. And there's a difference between like the learning thing and the passion thing. And I don't want to squelch my passion with like all this like boring book study and listening to men talk about their wisdom and their God-given experiences from the Holy Spirit. I just want to do this on my own. And, and God used that book to just change me and, and, and humble me. So I'd, I'd really encourage that. Okay, let me land this thing on, on this, this big idea. Um, I spent 20 minutes, tw- 22 minutes talking about four words, right? This thing is rich, right? This, this word is rich. Here's where I want to end it on. Uh, Jesus doesn't stop there, right? In answering this question, he doesn't stop at just love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and, and strength. He answers the question, he says, love the Lord your God that way, and then also love your neighbor as yourself. So look at verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor, right? He's trying to justify himself. He's like, yeah, I got the loving God thing, but you know, who, let me make sure I got the technicality of I'm loving my neighbor. Here's what Jesus replies, the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, which at that time would have been a a religious Jewish person, a big heritage on that side of Judaism. And he came to the place, and he saw this man, and he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus then says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The story of the good Samaritan. This man is beaten. A religious priest passes by. A a Jewish Levite passes by, sees and passes by, and a Samaritan walks by, sees the man, and has compassion. The significance of the fact that it was a Samaritan is actually really important to the story. 
Um, when we hear the word Samaritan, I think in our culture, we, a lot of us were raised in this or we know that context. Samaritan means a good person. Right? Because of this story in the Bible, most of us know the word good Samaritan synonymously. But when Jesus tells this story originally, 2,000 years ago, Samaritan didn't mean good person. It actually meant horrible, filthy, unholy person who polluted God's line, who didn't obey the word of God, who didn't obey the commandments of God. And the Jews at the time, the religious chosen people, the God's chosen people, saw the Samaritans as, man, don't mess with those guys. Those guys are dirty and filthy and broken and they're our enemies. We don't like the Samaritans. We will go way outside of our way to make sure we don't have to go near Samaria. Huge significance. And Jesus chooses that guy, that ethnicity, to show, look how this man loves Because his actions of how he loves are what testify about who he is. Not his ethnicity, not his background, not his stereotype, but how he loves. Look at his actions. Look at his actions. Look at his compassion. Who is our neighbor? Everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. The Samaritan would have been the person so far out. Why would the Samaritan stop for this man? That's crazy. Everyone who is in our path. Everyone who God puts there, do we have compassion? Do we see through the lens of Jesus to say, man, is this an opportunity for me to love someone else? Or do we categorize people? Do we, do we say, well, this is inconvenient for me? And how do we love? How do we love them? As we love ourselves. We are called to love other people as we love ourselves. Man, this, this story, this idea of loving our neighbor is not a tag on to what it looks like to love God. It's not, hey, love the Lord your God in these four really distinct, mature ways. Oh, and then also if you get around to it, love your neighbor. Uh, This is inherent within what it looks like to be obedient in how we love God. Uh, I want to read just a chunk of scripture over you guys. Um, If you want to write it down, I don't want you to have to take time to flip there. But it's Matthew 25, and it's verses 31 through 40. I want to read you what the Gospel of Matthew says. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Jesus prophesying, and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Man, what an amazing thing to hear. And then verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Listen to this. And the king, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Our obedience in how we love other people is a direct correlation to how we love God. Because our God loves people. He loves broken people. He loves people on the fringes. He loves you. He loves loves people. 
And so if we are to be people who love God and desire to inherit his kingdom and be his people and be his kids, then we are called to love people the way he does, the way he has in our life. Man, listen, loving people is a part of this call. Loving people who are hard to love, that is inherent within loving God. It is the DNA of a real Christian. Love people every day, people you don't like, people you don't know, people in need. Don't make a mistake thinking that you can just love God and then, well, I'm going to love the people who are convenient for me. I feel like we've asked this question a lot in the book of Luke because I think Jesus circles around this idea a lot because it's important to our God. Our, our God has a heart for people. Now, who is in your life that you don't like? Love them. You're called to love them if you want to be obedient to Jesus. Who is in your life that you feel like, man, it would just be so much easier to go to the other side and walk around them? Those are the people who we are called to love. And here's what I want to end on. This idea, this question, how do we inherit eternal life? Um, Love the Lord our God in this perfect way and love others as yourself. And then he gives us this crazy story of this guy that had no business loving this broken person and did. That's impossible. Man, that is impossible. We will never be able to love God perfectly. If you walk out of here and you say, okay, how do I inherit eternal life? I got to do these four things. I need to, I guess, listen to Christian music more. That was something. I need to, no, no, no. I need to read Christian books. No, no. We want to grow in our love for God. But we are people who are not earning this. Man, Jesus is consistent. The Bible is consistent in saying we have all sinned and fall short. No one is good, no, not one. The only fruit we can actually bear, the only good deeds we can actually do only comes when we're abiding in him. On our own, we can't do it. So this isn't a game of let's figure out how to do this well and then we'll inherit. This is us recognizing the gospel, that we are broken, we can't do this, we can't do the commandment that we're called to do. Love God perfectly, love other people perfectly. We have to be a people who say, God, I want that. But I need you to do that. I need your grace to fill that gap. I cannot love you the way I want to, so increase my faith. Would I be faithful to put boundaries and to put encouragements, and put, but increase my faith so that I might love you? And man, if you are in this room and you have never heard that gospel and you have never heard about the, the, the blessing and the truth that Jesus Christ has laid down his life so that we can have the freedom to be in relationship despite our imperfectness. And maybe you've been in this room and you have seen Christians like myself with very imperfect love. And that has been a misrepresentation of how God actually loves. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm sorry. And I'd be the first one to recognize in this room, man, I don't love perfect. I don't love people the way God wants me to all the time. And I don't love him perfectly. But I hang my head high because I know I am still loved. And with those believers who you have seen model Christianity, maybe very imperfectly, not keep you from a very perfect God who desires a very personal relationship with you. Man, would our lives be changed with how we love God with our heart with our soul, with our strength, and with our mind, and that we would love others as we love ourselves. Let me pray over you. Father, um, Father, we need you. Um, we, um, we recognize we can't do this. Uh, we recognize that we need um, 
Your grace, God, to finish this uh, work in us, to complete, to start the beginning and the end of our salvation is your grace. And so we are a people who want to love you more, uh, but we're also a people who will refuse to fall into legalism, thinking we're earning our inheritance. God, you have given us this gift, those who have put their faith in Christ so freely. And so um, we praise you for that. And for those who have yet to do that and are seeking and searching and trying to figure this thing out, God, would you just be merciful and gracious to them? And would you um, reveal how kind of a father you are to them? Um, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we love you because you first loved us. While we were yet sinners, you loved us. Um, May we respond well in the name of Jesus. Amen.